Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome, welcome to I See You. We're here on episode two, You Never Graduate. Thank you so much for all your positive feedback, guys, on episode one, my story. Obviously, it has taken me some courage to share things so openly and vulnerably, but I'm so glad I have and it feels so right. At the beginning of each episode, I'm going to start sharing a comment or a message I received from someone else about the previous podcast. So please feel free to send me something at julieleespeaks.com and I would love to highlight you on my podcast. This week's message comes from Lizzie. She says, Julie, thank you so much for telling your story. I may not have gone through the same experiences in life that you have, but I also have PTSD and major anxiety and panic attacks because of things that I've gone through. And I've never felt like anyone understood what I was going through. As I listened to this, I didn't feel so weird that I'm not the only person in the world who is really struggling with this. I'm sorry for what you've gone through, but I'm so glad I'm not alone. Oh gosh, thank you, Lizzie. That is so amazing to hear, and it's okay. It has made me a more compassionate person to others. I am just so glad that you don't feel alone. We're going to go ahead, and we are going to introduce our special guest today, Brittany Collado. And the first thing you got to know about Brittany, besides the fact that she's hilarious, is that she and I actually go to the same therapist. So that's pretty awesome. And basically, we like to tell people that, usually strangers, any chance we get. She was the friend that I told you about in my very first episode, who's the inspiration for the title of this podcast. How does it feel to have a podcast named after you, Brittany? Amazing. <laughs> this is the only time this has ever happened, I promise. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. And as I listened to your first episode, the build-up was just amazing. I have never had build-up for someone to meet me like that before. <laughs> the suspense has been killing everyone. I'm certain of it. Later, we're going to talk about how... None of us ever graduate from needing compassion and connection. But before we get into that, you are such an incredibly cool person. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? You're kind. Yes. I have grown up in Utah all my life. If you've grown up in Utah, you know what that's like. And if you haven't, it was good. Um, And then I met my husband, who was born in Italy of Chilean parents because he's from Chile and then he when he first came to the United States he was in Miami for a decade and then he came to Utah and that's how we ran into each other so it's kind of fun to introduce him to people because I've never moved further than about two miles and then I married this kid who's been all over the world so he's added some exotic flair to my life yes and he's so cool he's super cool he has an accent it's adorable that was a selling point yeah it's it's adorable i also have two kids he and i have two kids grace is nine and danny is five they are a whole lot of fun we have fun together so Brittany, we have a very special story we do do you want the privilege to share it? or, or... I'll, I'll start it off. Okay. I will start us off. I'll correct you if I need to. Okay. You know how this goes. Okay. Let's go back a year and a half. There was no Julie in my life. And then one day I received a text message from my therapist. Yes, I do go to therapy regularly. It 
keeps me put together. And my therapist was asking if she could share my blog with a client of hers who was just a little bit younger than me and who also dealt with depression. That's what my blog is about. It's about um, my experience with depression and anxiety and it's out there hopefully to be able to that people who have experienced something similar can relate because depression is really isolating, makes you feel very much alone. So even if somebody on their own, in the privacy of their phone or computer could come read about my experience with depression and relate, that was my hope. So I was really excited actually that my therapist wanted to share my blog with a client. And so um, I, in this age of touchscreen phones, I actually texted her my signature that I'd scrawled across the screen of my phone and told her she had my full permission to share my blog with this client who I was later to meet. What is the URL to your blog in mm -hmm. case someone does want to look it up? Because there is, it is a pretty incredible story. It is www.muchmoreprecioususthangold.com. I looked into this blog and I could not stop reading. I binge read every single post and there's a few posts on there. I had never had someone so accurately say in words exactly what I was feeling inside. I just could relate to it so much and that brought me a level of relief in my struggles, in my depression and in my anxiety to know that I wasn't alone. And so then I sent you an email saying, let's be friends. And um, to read her email, it's exciting when you put something like a blog out there and it is helpful to people. In the past, I'd had people contact me telling me they liked my blog and then trying to sell me supplements and herbs and things like that. And so I asked her if she wanted to meet at one of my favorite parks and we did. We brought our kids to the park and I got there first. And so it was my experience to get to sit there and wait for Julie to show up with a a rose in her hand and I was kidding <laughs> we didn't do any of that but it was fun to wait for her to show up and I'd stalked her on Facebook just a little bit so I kind of knew what she was gonna look like but I had no idea the joy that was awaiting me in a friendship if anyone's starting right now listening we are not romantically involved <laughs> we're not at all we're both happily married um, to men with, and we both have two children, but we are pretty special to one another. Uh, so Brittany, tell us a little bit about your story, why you ended up going to therapy in the first place. Like you said, we share the same therapist, which is so cool. So cool. Such a special bond. Tell us kind of how you got there. Okay. All right. So looking back over my life, I do believe that mental illness has kind of lurked there. It kind of explains a lot of the things that I was afraid of during my childhood and such, some irrational fears more than your normal child. But um, it did not bring my life to a standstill until my early 20s. And that was connected to, uh, I called off an engagement. I called off a wedding. And um, the reason why I did that was because from the morning after the engagement on, I felt very unsettled about the situation. And that's really an awful way to feel the morning after you've been engaged. But I remember I had my engagement ring on my finger. I was on my way to school. The sun was shining on my ring just right, so it flung sparkles all over the car. And instead of feeling just mesmerized or 
by this moment, I felt sick to my stomach thinking that was one sign that it wasn't a good idea that something was off and then the other thing was anytime his mom or my mom would ask if I was okay with a venue or a type of food to be served at the wedding reception and things in the back of my mind I would be crossing my fingers that that would be something that could be canceled if we needed to and it dawned on me that that probably wasn't the kind of thought you should be having if you were probably shouldn't be making very many life-altering decisions such as marriage in a mental state like that. So we did call off the wedding and that was very difficult. I mean, it was a lose-lose situation any way you looked at it. It brought up a lot of pain to end that relationship, but it also would have been painful to continue with the relationship. I expected to feel better and I related to that a lot of Julie's story, but she mentioned that in episode one that you kind of take steps thinking that you're going to feel better and actually instead of getting better I got worse in the days that followed my breaking off the engagement and especially the weeks um, I experienced lots and lots of panic attacks though I didn't know what those were at the time I just kind of felt like my life was unraveling in my hands with the panic attacks I went to try and get away to um, an aunt's house in Seattle and the first time I remember ever experiencing suicidal thoughts, which sometimes occurs with depression, I was on a hike with my aunt and we were overlooking a waterfall and I experienced suicidal thoughts for the first time and that was terrifying. Another thing about uh, depression that was so scary and made me feel so helpless was I had people who loved me that wanted to help so much. My parents were so incredibly supportive and my siblings and friends would have done whatever it took to help me, but everything they tried, I wanted to show improvement, such as going to the doctor, going to a therapist, but in the early stages, I wasn't showing any improvement. I was still kind of descending down to rock bottom. So that's probably the scariest part I can explain other than suicidal thoughts are terrifying, but to know that your family and people who care for you are putting all this energy into hoping they can help you and to not be able to show them any improvement is really devastating. Absolutely. It can bring on a lot of shame too. Yes. It can relate to that completely. Yes. You want so badly to be doing better and... So sometimes you even pretend to be doing better. Yeah, or sometimes, I know we've talked about this before, you can almost try and psych yourself into like, I am better. If I just think I'm better, then I'll be better and it'll, this will just continue. I just need to change my thoughts, which changing your thoughts to positive ones is huge, right? We both, we both need to do that all the time. Go to therapy for that. Correct. <laughs> However, there are times when problems are deeper than that and just changing your thoughts may not fix it completely. Amen, sister. Yes. So... Backing up just a little bit, you talked about looking over a waterfall and experiencing suicidal thoughts. Some people would say, well, anybody that stands by the edge of a waterfall mm -hmm. is going to have that thought. Well, what if I jumped? Even if you're a completely healthy, emotional person, those thoughts just kind of come in sometimes, right? right? Can you tell me what was different for you yes. than just that normal intrusive thought? Yes, because I think everybody's thought that at the top of a tall building or something like, what would happen? I could jump. I could. And then what would happen? It would all be over. I think any any normal person can have those thoughts without them being classified as suicidal. What made these different is the waterfall actually offered, like in my mind, it offered relief. 
remember mm. thinking it would, I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore if I fell off the waterfall. And I kind of had those thoughts in my subconscious maybe, or just, they came into my thoughts without me even having them myself. And then when I realized I was thinking those things, it was very terrifying. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for being so honest about that. I feel like a lot of people feel a lot of shame by having those thoughts enter into their mind when they've struggled, even if it's not clinically depression or anxiety. But I think even people, when they have those thoughts, just as an intrusive thought, as a normal human being, can feel really guilty and shameful about them. But it's just a thought, right? And we decide what to do with it. But obviously, if they're serious in that way, I think we'd both agree it's really important you get help, right? Mm -hmm. There's no shame in having the thought. But there's a lot of difficulty and danger in trying to deal with those thoughts by yourself. I heard a therapist say it well. She said, depression is a very, very demanding mistress. She wants you where it's dark and alone and cold and you're not talking to anybody else. She doesn't, she's very possessive and she doesn't want you around any light anywhere else. And I think that's why it's so important that we do talk about this. And that's one of the reasons we talk about it on the podcast. You seem to be a pretty happy girl, I would say, Brittany Coyado. Would you say you're happy? Yeah. In fact, that's what my blog has a tagline. It says a happy girl's walk with depression because I really do like life. And I think most of my life I've kind of given off that vibe to people that I'm a happy person. Um, And I think it's important to know that happy people aren't always happy or that you can be a happy person and still experiencing, experience these really terrifying and devastating thoughts and feelings that are depression that can be helped. So what do you do to feel happy? Okay, well, I'm kind of going through a period of chronic depression right now. I kind of thought the story I was referring to in my 20s did come to an end, and I got help and medication and therapy and things and got into a really wonderful, happy state of mind again. I kind of thought it was like, oh, yes, we did that. We're done. I can relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) Will you laugh? (laughs) Not to be cynical, but just because it's it's not quite always that easy, right? You just realize how cute you were back then when you thought, oh, we're all done. But it often, it doesn't for everyone, but I'm realizing that mine is more chronic than I thought it was, mm-hmm. and it returns. Anyway, I feel a responsibility to take care of my health as far as like sleeping well and eating fairly well. I like to exercise too. I really do. But um, people will tell you that if you exercise, that'll take your depression away. We should do a podcast on this one day. Yes, we should. (laughs) But um, it's so much more than that. For me to be well, honestly, I have to be meditating and I have to be taking my medication and therapy on top of living a good life. Mental illness is strange. It plays a lot with your conscience. It plays a lot with your self-worth. You never feel good enough. You can be doing all the things right and have all the ducks in a row and you still feel despicable. And it can even play with, we've talked about, it can play with your relationship with God mm-hmm. and your relationship with your religion even. Mm-hmm. We have talked about that quite a bit and how to navigate that. You are stable. You experience happiness. Did compassion and connection, is that something that played a role in you starting to feel better? Oh, in my 20s, definitely. I have a blog post on the things that people would do for me. Just connection, simple connection 
people checking in on you, people sending you text messages and things can make a difference. And they did in my initial battle with depression that I talk about. I would have liked to have thought that was my last time dealing with it. But I even find that those experiences I have with compassion and connection help me today right now. Like it's healthy for me to be doing a podcast with Julie right now. It was really good for my emotional health. I go through up and down times and last week was a downtime. It was a kind of an ugly mental health week. And there was a friend at church that asked me how I was doing and she's the kind of friend that I felt safe telling her how I was really doing. And she sat and talked with me for 25 minutes and gave me enough of her time and understanding Oh, that it meant a lot. As a side note, I think one thing you probably, I think you mentioned this on the first podcast, we don't want you to fix the problem. When we tell you about our mental illness, we just really need you to listen and validate that we're not crazy and say things like, that sounds really hard and just hold us and listen to us. I still need that. I needed it last Sunday and my friend provided that. That's amazing. That's religion right there, right? That's what it looks like. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the to-dos of things we need to get done, boxes we need to check off. And when it comes down to it, I think, especially for us as Christians, we do our best to follow the example of Jesus Christ. I mean, that person, just to sit with you, to talk to you, to look into your face, I think that's what Christ would do. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree? An interesting question is, do you feel like you will ever graduate from needing compassion and connection never, in your life. Never, never. <laughs> so even it, though you experience happiness now and you're not in a constant state of depression, you're stable, you kind of figured out a regiment that works for you, you say you still have needs for that. Sometimes compassion is the missing piece, I think. Some days, um, which I think is a powerful lesson, we can't fix it all, all by ourselves. I can do what I can do and then there's sometimes where it's, Nothing but an afternoon spent with a friend or a good conversation with my dad or my mom or my husband that's going to help set things right again. What hope would you give to someone that has experienced some of this and is maybe feeling like, you know, that their dreams are lost and that there's not much happiness ahead? What would you tell them? Mm, that I've been there. You've been there. Mm-hmm. Right, I've sister? I've been there. Yes, we... <laughs> We've been there. But I've also known extremely happy times after my sad times. I think this was the point the whole time, like kind of the meaning of life, but I'm learning that we're supposed to experience happiness in the midst of the hard stuff. So I'm learning to do that the best that I can. I've experienced hope after hopelessness. So I know how dark and scary the hopelessness is, but it's not permanent. No, it's not. It's not permanent. Brittany does some amazing videos, and we did one. You invited me once, and we together talked about the show The Stranger Things, and Brittany had us drape ourselves in Christmas lights, <laughs> in Christmas lights like the, the mom on Stranger Things, and we talked about how in The Stranger Things, depression is kind of like the upside down. And so you kind of get sucked in, and it feels like that's your entire universe, and it's pretty hard to see anything else. But there is a way out of the upside down, and that's what we're figuring out. With the listeners, can we tell them something really special we did for our therapist last year for Christmas? Oh, I was hoping, yes, it crossed my mind, and I'm glad I you just, didn't forget. I just feel like that's something we need to share. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good way to wrap things up. 
Yes, it would. <laughs> that same day, we recorded that video from Stranger Things, and we were wearing Christmas lights, like the mom on Stranger Things uses to write the ABCs on her wall. You know what I'm talking about if you've seen Stranger Things. If not, it's on Netflix. Watch it with a friend. It's a little spooky. It's scary. Julie and I decided while we had these Christmas lights on, we looked so festive. Why not make a Christmas card? And so we did for our therapist. And we went and found a picture of her on the internet. <laughs> like the only picture we could get access to. <laughs> and we printed that out. And we took a picture of us wearing Christmas lights. And just holding her head Holding shot. her head shot. <laughs> demonstrating how important she is to us and that she helped our friendship yes to begin i'm sure you can hear my kids screaming in the background but we're just going to keep going with this because we're moms and that's real life we have kids we'll we have kids real. it's we true love we love them so much and they don't sit around and be quiet they don't that's not what kids are supposed to do my favorite was the Christmas card said our first Christmas together and it was you me and then a picture of us of our therapist headshot and we sent it to her office in the mail and she told me if I'm not if I'm remembering correctly that she keeps it in her folder that she takes every day with her <laughs> which is very special it kind of reminds us of what about Bob if you yes. seen what about Bob the yes. crazy guy that goes to see his therapist on their vacation that's like <laughs> We told her we kind of, we, we didn't want to reach what about Bob status with her, but we, we also needed, really like her. We need her to know that she, we're a fan of her and the wonderful things she does for our life and our relationships. She's the best. And she introduced us, which is pretty special in and of itself. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up episode two. Brittany, thank you for being here. You'll be back because you have so much wonderful insight into seeing other people and, and into showing compassion and connection. And we have fun talking about it together. Yes, we do. This is fun for us. This is like Disneyland. Look what Nan created. <laughs> She's created monsters. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to I See You Episode 2. You never graduate from needing compassion and connection. Go out there and see somebody today and tell me all about it. I would love to feature you on our podcast at the beginning. We're going to go ahead and start featuring some comments and some stories from listeners. You can share those with me at www.julieleespeaks.com. We love you. Go see somebody today. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you.